Hello and welcome to this week's episode, episode 45 of Women in Confidence. My name's Vanessa and I'm the host of this podcast. Before we get started with this week's guest, I just want to make a little announcement that I've managed to find some time in my diary to take on some more one-to-one coaching clients. So if you're looking for some confidence coaching with me, then please reach out to me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Look, I can take any time zone. I've even had clients who are 18 hours behind me. Believe me, anything can work. And if you really want some confidence coaching with me, then I recommend you reach out to me as soon as possible before those all those sessions get zapped up. All right, so we're going to move on to this week's guest. And I tell you what, this week is going to be incredible because my guest this week is Sophie McLean. Her life has been what I would describe as very eventful. She's been a helicopter pilot, a teacher, a relief worker, a war refugee, a CEO. She's also been a UN, so United Nations representative on the Commission on the Status of Women's Hunger Project. Look, this this lady is amazing and for real. She has spent decades leading transformational seminars covering topics such as what it means to be human and the shift from homo sapiens to homo spiritus. Look, we're not going to have time to cover a tenth of what I've just said, but I can assure you that Sophie has lots to add to my conversation about women in confidence. Sophie, hello and welcome to Women in Confidence. Absolutely delightful to have you here. How are you doing? Vanessa, I am very happy to be here and I love the topic of your podcast. Oh, good. Well, I know having gone through uh, the introduction, people will already be whetting their appetites to know a lot more about you. Um, And I did describe your life as eventful um, and we'll certainly get into some of that. But the first thing I ask my guest, Sophie, is what does having confidence mean to you? Mm. So uh, having confidence, so it's it's just absolutely amazing because um, it's such a topic that is uh, current for me right now, right? So I've had a transition in my life and I moved country. I'm on a small island in the middle of the Mediterranean and from New York, right? It's 20 square miles. <laughs> and it's everybody speaks Spanish. I do not speak Spanish. So I parachuted myself on this dream island because in New York, I had the confidence to lead. I can lead to 2,000 people. I can lead seminars. I can teach. All that I've mastered. And then I arrive on this small island and I have a social life. And I have no confidence whatsoever. So to, to answer your question, Having confidence for me is first an all-rounded phenomena, state of mind, state of being. I I want to be able to be free without worry and concern in every single area of my life, including socially. And that means that I I do not have concerns and questions in my mind about what I should say, should do, should be, and what other people think. That is what confidence is for me, to not have that little voice in my head. 
And do you have that little voice in your head at the, not necessarily at the moment, but just generally, do you have it? No, because I've, I've, I've done so much work, Vanessa, right? So I've been free until I took on something new, which is speaking Spanish <laughs> in dinner parties. And the little voice came right back, but right back, right? So I will do the work to to quieten down that little voice because I've done it in many other areas of my life. But for the people that have constantly that little voice, I want to say it is so uncomfortable. I do not like it. <laughs> so in your, let's talk about the learning Spanish thing then, and the, the sort of lack of confidence that this has um, brought up for you. Have you then drawn on all those different aspects of your life where you've thought, well, I've done this, you know, I can fly helicopters, you know, all these, all these things you've taught, you've been a relief worker, all these times in your life mm. where you've had to be confident. Have you drawn on those experiences and thought, look, Sophie, you can, you can master this speaking yeah. a different language? Yes and no, right? It's a very good question. Yes and no, because yes, in the sense that I know exactly the path to follow to free myself from that little voice. Right. So it might take a little bit of time, but I have so practiced awareness. Right. And for your listener, Vanessa, awareness is very simple. It, it's exactly what you do when you teach your children to cross the street. You tell them, hey, you need to stop. You need to look right. You need to look left. And then if there is no cars, you cross the street. Right. That's awareness. So I've been practicing that for 30 years. The moment I feel uncomfortable, the moment I catch that I have a little voice trying to kidnap me, I stop and I look at the source of it. So I have a very good muscles. That's a yes. But the no is that regardless, regardless of the amount of work, uh, conscience, awareness you mastered, regardless of the work, I have done, the moment I take on something new, the little voice comes back always. Because I think it's in, in the nature of our the character of being human. The moment you are in uncertainty, the moment you have no control, the moment you don't know something, ah, uh -uh, survival time. <laughs> and I was going to talk about that survival instinct that you, you said is is just a human aspect of us we all have it and some people can mm. really conquer that mm. well they, they can stop listen and be aware of it and then they can conquer that sort of survival brain I guess what's your technique to be able to do that to know that your body is in some state of fear your brain has gone into survival mode mm. and then you're like no I've, I'm gonna go I'm gonna move forward mm. anyway well, I had to learn about human beings. You know, I was, uh, I think I was always interested. I was the kind of person that spent, you know, as a student, my night kind of dissecting life and what was possible. But I had to learn the difference between survival and being myself. And, and it was really uh, an education for me. I, I had to realize that we, the, what I call the ego, which is a survival mechanism. And I really want to say there is nothing wrong with the ego. It got us where we are. There is less poverty, extraordinary progresses in medical, technical, 
in every single area of life, we have made progress thanks to our ego, right? But I think that the ego originally came because we had to survive nature, wild animals. We had to learn to find food, to know which food to eat. You know, we don't have a system inside of us that produces energy. We have to find it outside of ourselves, animals and plants. But the plants, they, 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 they just receive the energy from the sun, you know, and so they don't have to go and get it. The animals and the humans, we need to go and get energy, right? So you had to learn. That was very good, right? Very, very good. Because why do I say that? Because we're still around. So we did learn to survive physically. But at one point, and some theory said is when we started cultivating wheat. I, I don't know. I'm not an anthropologist. But um, the survival shifted from physical to ontological, meaning we started surviving something other than the physical. We started surviving um, what might happen in the future, right? It became anxiety-driven. What might this person do? What are they going to steal my field of wheat? So the survival shifted from physical to ontological, and that's where we got trapped into an illusion. So, for example, people report that they are scared to speak in public, as if a hundred people in front of you were more dangerous than death itself, you know? It's, 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 so when you examine it, you say, why am I so frightened of another human being, right? So I really educated myself and, and learned because I led to so many people, I got the, I'm so grateful. That's really how I learn is with those 80,000 people that opened up their life to me, that it happens at a very young age, very young age, the first time about the age of one or two, when you, I know, when you encounter something you don't know. And of course, you know, as a baby, as a little one, there is lots you don't know. It doesn't have to be tragic or anything, but you start putting on that protection, very young age. And then by the time you're 17, 18, you're done. You're in a cage. You're in a jail. You have created this persona, this personality that we call our character, and you identify with it. You think this is who you are, but it's not. It's what you created to survive. And that personality, to go back to the little voice and the lack of confidence, that character that you created is constantly looking to protect itself, right? Constantly trying to survive. So, for example, my character is like, like the strong woman, you know, a helicopter pilot, sail across the South Pacific, parachute jumping, right? I'm like the superwoman kind of thing. That's, I mean, I, I promise you I made it up. I was not born. When I was born, my mother didn't say, oh, a little uh, strong woman. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I worked hard at creating that character. And um, so I come to Minoka. I meet those beautiful, welcoming people that speak Spanish, which I don't speak very well. And suddenly... 
my, I'm in, in, in danger. I'm in danger of not looking good. I'm in danger of making an ass of myself. I'm in danger of not being understood. And the little voice goes crazy. And my experience is a lack of confidence. I want to hide. I don't want to go to those inner bodies. I don't want to be people. Do you see? And, and so only awareness frees me. Saying I have a choice. I'm either going to listen to the little voice or in spite of my fear and my discomfort, I'm going to take a risk and go. But that choice, so you, mm. you know, you acknowledge your fear, but that choice is like what am I trying to say? Is that it is a choice, but mm-hmm. for many people, the easy option is to say, Oh, I'll just I'll just stay at home. I won't go to the dinner party and make an ass of myself. So yeah. therefore they're they're almost just living in the same groove. The, but, it seems to be the easy one. Okay. <laughs> Tell me. But the well, the cost is that you're miserable. Sure, you're safer. But look at the analogy of going to a game, right? So there is a players playing whatever game, and then there is a spectators. So the players are at risk. They can get hurt. They can win. They can lose. There is a lot of judgment, opinion, evaluation. Everybody tells them what to do, right? But they're live, right? They're live. Like if you look at a tennis final, you just wish, oh, I wish I had that gift or I had, you know, there is a kind of "Mm, like this aliveness. The spectators can be safe. You sit on your behind, you open a can of beer or eat an ice cream, you judge and evaluate, but you can never win nor lose. You're a watcher. And life doesn't happen in the stand. Life happens in the risk of life. And that is a choice you have to make. Vanessa, let me give you a personal example, because for your listener, it always makes a difference. I was 28 when I got married. And five days later, my husband died on honeymoon. All right. So you can imagine, I'll spare you the drama. I mean, I loved him more than life itself. It was devastating. So I go back to life, right? It took me some years, but I go back to life. I work, I create a career, except in one area. Over my dead body, will I ever, ever take the risk to fall in love ever again? No way. That hurts too much. Doors are closed, right? So I'm not even in the stand. I'm in the nosebleed area up there, right? (laughs) So if I ever meet a man that I even find the slightest attractive, I turn around and run. I did that for years. Then I arrive at 50 years old and I find myself alone. Oh, sure, I'm safe. I was safe. I'm 60 now, but I was safe, but alone. And my heart gets harder. Because I don't love. So there is a choice. My choice is either end up an old woman with 20 little dogs to try to get some love (laughs) or take a risk to love again. And yes, he might die again. But you know what? It's worth it. That's what life is. That's the choice. I love what you're saying is that actually being safe 
doesn't give you it doesn't doesn't give you life it doesn't give you the energy no. the joy the all the oh the energy of life it's so amazing yeah. and so the, taking the risk and taking what is perhaps seen as the more challenge is going to fill you up more than you could ever know I love yes. that yes and when yeah. we first spoke, you you said something to me that I've written down because I found it so really powerful. It's very, very simple. You said to me, say yes to life. And I don't think you were telling me because I needed to do it, but just it was one of your not mantras so much, but that's just something that you live your life by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I, um, I realize, you know, that life is a gift and I really didn't have life as a gift. I thought life was a very difficult place and quite tragic for me. I had quite a lot of drama and I was a bit tired of all that. And I don't like little children dying of hunger and I don't like wars. And and um, and yes, life is a difficult school for sure. Yes, I haven't changed my mind about that. But I now am co-creating with the universe, meaning that I realized, Vanessa, that the there is only the present, right? The future only exists if you talk about it in the present. The future only exists if you talk about it in the present. The, the reality is what is happening right now. You want to know what's real? It's now. That's it. The rest is not real. Right. And then there is a moment in front of you right now, like the one we're sharing right now, right? And this moment is so special, Vanessa, because this moment happens because of the billions of moments of now before this one. It's not that they caused this one, but this one didn't just parachute in front of us. It's part of the whole universe. It's filled with mystery and magic. And, and this moment ask us, are you going to dance? Or are you going to resist it, right? So if I was to resist the moment we're sharing right now, Vanessa, right? I would not give all my heart. I wouldn't open my heart, my mind. I wouldn't share. I would truly right now, Vanessa, I'm having the best time ever because I'm a yes. Uh, When you're no, and sometimes I'm a no to something, right? Well, obviously, you don't have that pleasure. So I have taken on as a principle of life to be a yes. So there are some moments I do not like, right? So, uh, for example, I lost my father a year and a half ago. I loved my dad. Now go and be a yes to life in, in, in one of those moments. But there is a humbleness. I don't know anything. I don't know where I come from. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know anything. Right? So who am I to say my dad should not have died? Who am I? What is his arrogance? I what I know is that the universe doesn't make mistakes. The universe always gives us what we need, not what we want, but what we need. So humbleness is a quality that I cherish. I really don't know anything. <laughs> I want to just go back to something that you said, and it was around the future. You said literally just the moment now is real. The rest mm. of it isn't mm. real. Mm. But mm. people create such stories about the future that they almost make mm. it real. So mm. they'll, they'll, you know, this person will say to me, and they'll be doing this, and this is what's going to mm. happen, and this is how I'm going to feel. Mm. 
I mean, you must come across people who are like, this is the, this is going to be my future. Oh, yes, yes, it's it's universal. <laughs> you know, my husband died in one second. Uh, he had a clot to the brain. So I, in that moment, I got, okay, you never know what's going to happen in the next second, right? So I, I got, I learned it the harsh way. But most people think that one day is actually real. You know, one day we'll all be seen rich, happy, beautiful, and... Uh, and people live as if it was real. Well, no, there is not a place called one day you'll get to, you know, it doesn't exist. Now, what you're asking, Vanessa, is the source of all the suffering. So do you want me to explain? Yes, please. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. So if you just, I like to be pragmatic, right? If you look at our earth, the earth doesn't suffer from the earthquake. You can see a dog with three legs running as fast as he can to catch up with the others, but you never hear a dog saying, oh, my life is ruined. Let get me a therapist, right? Or a giraffe saying, my neck is so long, I'm embarrassed, right? So the only species that suffers are human beings. Now, that's very good to know because then you can get to the source of suffering, and the source of suffering is language. Now, language is a grace, a gift, and if you don't know its limitation or its trap, then you will get trapped into the suffering. And what is a trap of language? In language, we can make up stories, right, which is marvelous. It is so extraordinary. That's why we are so elevated in consciousness compared to the other species. We make up stories. We have interpretation, narrative, marvelous. The moment you believe the stories, as if they're the truth, you are in the trap and you will suffer. So you have a thought. You believe your thought. You didn't choose your thought. The thought happened to you. If you believe it, you'll suffer. So that famous leader voice, right, says to me, you look like an idiot not being able to speak Spanish. If I believe it, I won't go out. I won't talk to people in Spanish. I will not learn Spanish and I'll be miserable. If I don't believe it and say, okay, well, thank you for sharing. (laughs) I'll go anyway. (laughs) Even if I look stupid, if I have to, I'll tell the people, I'm so sorry, I sound stupid, but I have to learn Spanish, which is what I say all the time. And they laugh and they're delighted that I make the effort. Then the little voice goes away. And that story or that person saying to you, you know, you're looking like an idiot speaking Spanish. I mean, that's their story. That's not yours. I mean, story yet to use that word, but that's their judgment. Call it a story. That's entirely their lens, isn't it? And so how do you keep yourself? How do you defend yourself from that? Because people will say stuff. People do, whether they mean it or it just comes out of their mouth. Well, uh, first, I've never had somebody that said to me, you sound stupid in Spanish. I would never say that. People are normally nice. But if they were, that's their problem, not mine. That's their own little voice. You see, I never look outside of myself ever, Vanessa, ever, ever, ever to, to get confidence. It's always inside. Always. So, for example, um, I could tell you, Vanessa, you are a carrot. Right now, you're going to either think, "Oh, maybe I should not have wore what I'm wearing," or do, "Am I really a carrot?" In that situation, we would be concerned about you, right? 
or you're going to dismiss saying, well, Sophie might have a problem on the other hand. <laughs> but you see, the fact that I say you're a coward doesn't have any impact on you, except if you start believing it. So it's got nothing to do with me. I can say blah, 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 blah. It's what you are going to do with my blah, blah, blah that makes a difference. It's never somebody outside of yourself. Now, there are some things that hurt, right? There is some people where you get, whoa, it reactivates something in you. But your job is to look at what got reactivated in you and then disappear that button, if you want, that, that sensitive spot. That is a spiritual path. The elevation path is to really don't have anything that will create a reaction in you. And then it leaves you with the ability to respond, right? So if somebody says something hurtful to me, I can now say, do you have an intention to hurt my feelings? Is that what your intention is? And the other person would then take the time to look. <laughs> and I've never had somebody that said to me, oh, yes, yes, I do want to hurt you. You know, human beings are not like that. I really like what you said about confidence and you said you never seek that confidence. You never go out and seek that from other people. It's all here. Do you feel like we are then born with all that confidence? We just sort of lose it or it gets silenced along the way, but it's, it's essentially there when we're born. Yeah. If you look at little babies, right? Like little babies, they're so trustful. Don't you just love looking in their eyes? You know, everything goes quiet. It's pure love. They're just being. And they're so trustful. Can you, right? You, you, I remember taking my nephew. I was in a swimsuit, so we were skin to skin. And he was about six or eight months, and he was totally abandoned in my arm. I mean, I, my sister said, let's put him to bed. I said, no way. No way. No way. I've never known any such surrendering. So I do believe that we are born without any protection, without any survival mechanism. In my experience, they come after. Now, some people will tell you karma, lineage, um, which I'm sure, you know, some scars might come into play. But the first level, right, you can go as deep as you want, but start with the beginning, the basic, the non-confidence, the lack of confidence, that you can do something really, really um, simply about. You have access to deal with that. Yeah, and I'm a big believer that confidence isn't static. It isn't just... I have no confidence and therefore I can't ever gain uh, any, you know, yeah. even taking like really small steps on a daily basis, you can always you know, gain more confidence. And I think, I, I think that's just a message that I'm trying to put out in this podcast largely is to say where you are now doesn't have to be that, that you're always going to be that way. And by listening to people like you, Sophie, and my previous guests, hopefully people get are now starting to understand that confidence is not static and absolutely we can grow and develop and and get to the point where actually we're so, we're seeking all our own confidence from internally we don't need yeah. external validation yeah. we're totally malleable you know that's also the grace of being human is you're not stuck 
anywhere. Mm. I know we often feel stuck, but it's a, it's an illusion. So you're totally right. Yeah. I want to talk about your access to awareness program and particularly around the, the word awareness, because you've mentioned it a couple of times whilst we've been talking. What does awareness mean and what's the and why is it in your program? Why and what is access to awareness? I think there's about four questions in there. So have a go at some of those. But I think I'm just curious around some of the words that you've chosen around access and awareness. Okay. And okay, great. how did you come to have that awareness? Uh, I met somebody, right? First, my husband was very uh, uh, conscious, very aware. He was a, a great thinker. So he, I learned a lot with him. And then when I was 33, I met somebody that made an enormous difference in my life. And I had, a, yes, a revelation about what we talked about, about my power to create my life. If I make that story and I believe it, I will have that life. And if I make that one, I will have that life. You know, it's it was like a, an experience, not a concept. That's how I, uh, I started uh, leading seminars and teaching people and learning always. But access to awareness, there is a French mystic called Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who said, you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. And that was the fruit of all my learning is to remember who I really am, the spiritual being. It's like an essence. It's actually difficult to put it into words. And once you experience it and you need to experience it and only you can experience yourself, right? It's self-referential. Somebody cannot tell you what you are. You have to do the experience of yourself. Then obviously my life transformed. I, I serve, I am in joy. I, there is no circumstances that will get me done. My suffering has disappeared. It's totally optional, right? And that kind of blessing I want for everybody, right? So I created access to awareness because to remember who you really are, the ultimate tool is awareness. And as I said to you, awareness is just noticing, right? This is what people do in meditation, in uh, all sort of discipline, there is so much choice right now, right? But you, you need to look, stop, look, stop, look. That's awareness. And that is what will get you back to who you really are. And that road is always through giving up. Now, giving up sounds not very attractive, but it is because what you're giving up is your judgment, your evaluation, your anxiety, your uh, inauthenticity, you know, so your anger, your resentment. You need to give up everything that is not love because who you are, the fabric of the universe, which you are, is love. Um, so my programs and my teachings are to support people in their path in their journey. I I had so many masters and gurus and teachers and each person, all of my students so contributed to me that I'm, I'm contributing back. I've had a lot, a lot of experience. I've studied Buddhism, Hinduism, Tantric Yoga, 
philosophy. You know, I, I, I have done, I'm a teacher, so I take that very seriously and I educate myself. And um, what I've learned is I'm giving it to whoever wants it. That's why I created my company. I really like the idea of a spiritual journey and this whole discovery. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking, actually, to some extent, I'm I'm going through that at the moment. And I'm like 49, so I probably started quite late in many ways. But, you know, all these different ways you can access awareness of yourself. I was thinking, actually, I do yoga. I I have been to uh, Reiki. I'm really mm, interested mm, in understanding that. Yeah. Kinesiology. I'm going to an ecstatic dance, you know, next week. Mm-hmm. And all these mm-hmm. ways of just becoming more in tune with who I am, which yeah. I think through life, and this is not my just my experience, but through life, through work and having children and family and all the noise of life, remembering who you are can really get the volume can be turned down massively yes you must come across so many people who are like I genuinely can't remember who I am oh yeah yeah. most people identify with something they are not and that's why the world is the way it is it's it's for this lack of the world is immature the the world is unconscious people have no idea that they can actually remember who they really are. Because, you know, the game of being human is that you are born and very quickly you forget who you really are. Otherwise, you can't play the game. You know, the game of being human is, okay, you have no control, no certainty, you know nothing, and you think you're really going to die. Now, play the game. But you could not play this game if you knew that it wasn't true. You know, it's like playing poker for matches. Uh, okay, nobody will find that interesting. People find it interesting if you can lose all your money, your marriage, <laughs> get into debt. You know, then there is a thrill, right? So the game of being human is you forget who you really are and you forget that you forget. <laughs> and now play the game. <laughs> That's why we need each other. This is why there is coaches and teachers and spiritual gurus and they, they and everything you described. Uh, but even for me, uh, going to a dinner party in a foreign language, that's my opportunity to elevate myself. So yes, the whole of life is a journey. And if you are willing to look at it that way that you doing the homework with your children, go on a walk or meditate, you have access to elevate yourself to back to who you really are. So in the introduction, I described your life as eventful. Is that how mm-hmm. you would describe it? So once life always occurs as ordinary, right? I wouldn't... Um, I've had a lot of adventure, but it 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 sounds it, it's normal for me, right? Because I know the story behind each adventure. For example, people say, "Oh, you're a helicopter pilot. It sounds so great." I said, "Yes," but what they don't know is that I became a helicopter pilot because I was so unhappy after the death of my husband that I needed a challenge to stop thinking. So it's not glamorous. Do you see what I mean? I literally learned to fly helicopters so I could. St- Stop my pain, <laughs> because when you fly a helicopter, you can't think about anything else. <laughs> so, so you know, all my adventures sounds fantastic, but for me, they're ordinary. I mean, not they're normal. 
what I will describe my life as is a, a gift. I, I'm so grateful of my life. And, and I have this deep gratitude that somehow, and I have no idea why, I managed to be interested <laughs> in elevating myself. I am so grateful that I had that, that interest. And when I was 12 years old, I had an epiphany. I was brought up in Casablanca, Morocco, and I was in my garden watching my parents go to sit down for dinner. And I don't know why I had to download. I, it's a gift, right? And I had some insight. The first one that I was that I was living in a cocoon and it was not a reflection of the world and I needed to go and find out. The second thing was, you need to experience everything from despair to joy, success to failure. Go and experience as much as you can. And the third one was, and you're going to realize it's all an illusion. And the fourth was an order, go and teach people, go and tell people. So I ran to my parents and I said, oh, I, we live in a cocoon, it's all an illusion that we, we need to experience and tell people it's not real, right? Of course, I got my nickname, the crazy one, but I never forgot. And that's what started my search. So I, I'm grateful. Maybe without that gift, I would not have had the life I had. I think probably many people, maybe not as young as 12, but many people have these like realizations come Mm. to them. But I guess it goes back to either it's not socially accepted or, you know, nobody listens to them or they don't even listen to their own voice saying, you know, that was an epiphany and what an amazing message you've Mm. just received. Mm. Exactly. And then taking those four things that you learned when you were 12, that was right. Yeah, 12. I mean, have you lived your life to ensure those four things came true, even if they might not have been completely played out? Uh, They have actually been completely played out, even when I didn't intend to. (laughs) And I tell you why. It's because I am so unhappy. I am miserable. If I don't follow those four, even if I have forgot about it, like when I was in grief, forget about it, right? I was even more miserable than just the loss of my husband. I was miserable because I wasn't aligned with myself. So it's very easy for me. If I do not contribute to people, if I do not teach, if I do not stay in the illusion of it all, and I'm miserable. So I don't like being miserable. <laughs> no, you see, the human being are designed to be well and happy. How I do know that is because when you're happy and well, your body works well, you sleep well, you don't overeat, you don't overdrink, right? Your body works. When you are miserable, your body breaks down. You cannot go all the way to sickness. You have that little voice in your head. You don't sleep at night, right? So human beings, the very natural state of human being is to be well. So I, well, I'm only well when I can contribute. So I surrender. <laughs> I have a quote that I carry around in my head, and it's very similar to what you were saying. And it's let go of resistance and invite in the ease and flow of life's energy. And I think mm-hmm. that's such a, a powerful message and very similar to what you were saying is if you resist, 
you become miserable, you become unwell, you know, and you stay in and you don't go to the dinner parties and all these sorts of things. But if you just let go of that resistance, the, the, the universe, the energy, everything is positive and you lead your life or you live your life with joy and gratitude and love which is really yeah because powerful. you know it's logical for me Vanessa the universe is so good never makes mistake and it will be so much nicer and kinder to you than you can be to yourself so one needs to get oneself out of the way so that you can receive the bountifulness of the universe we we stop it you know our character our survival by the resistance you're talking about so what do you say to people who say the universe i don't i don't subscribe to that what what are you talking about how would you explain the universe i can't i can't explain it i i talk about faith that's the closest i can do you know faith is knowing that we are we know nothing Right. So so that is something most people can relate to, because I can even ask people, uh, how do you walk? And then they try to describe the the neuronal impulse from the brain to the muscle. And all I have to say is, how do you do that? And they go, well, I don't know. Right. So I start by Socrates was the first one that said the only thing I know is that I know nothing. So that is a good uh, entry point into this faith in the goodness of the universe or life or, I mean, you can call it life, God, you can call it what you want, right? But when people come to me, Vanessa, is that they somewhere, and sometimes they can't articulate it, they know there is something extraordinary inside of them that wants to be expressed. They, they entreat it. They sometimes they can't even put it in language, but there is this yearning to be free, right? So they come. I don't go and get people, they come to me because you need to be wanting that spiritual path, that elevation. And you still deliver the, the access to awareness program. Yes, 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 yes. I work at night with uh, because many of my uh, Students are with the times, you know, I in the US or in Australia or a bit all over the world. I I choose some uh, times that works for people. Yes, I have a. I always have a seminar like of on different topic running of an hour and fifteen minutes. I have a Facebook group where once a week I answer question. I have a call, which is free, by the way, where I mentor people. They come and ask me about their personal life and answer their questions. I have a private sessions, one-on-one, a 10 sessions for people that want to um, remember who they really are. That is very profound, very intense. I have I've written a book so that people can... Um, um, understand how it works. It's uh, called the elegance of simplicity. And I have a self-guided, which is a totally affordable 14-session course that will take you through the deconstruction of your character so that you remember who you are. So my website, I recommended everybody to go and see it. It's called sophiemaclean.com. I have a wide range of offerings so that everybody, regardless of their financial condition, can find what they need. 
And I'm going to put all those details in the show notes um, as well. So, and all the links will be there. So everybody will be able to access everything that Sophie has just mentioned. So that's amazing. Look, Sophie, it's been such a wonderful conversation. I'm just conscious we need to wrap this up. But what's your one piece of advice to people who are listening and they just think, I really like what Sophie's saying, but I just want to know what her one piece of advice for gaining confidence is? I would say, to, would you? Please, please, please be kind to yourself. You would never be as bad as you are with yourself as with anybody else. Like I would never say to somebody, oh, you look like an idiot. I would never say that to anybody, but I say that to myself. So my biggest piece is would you please be kind to yourself? It's like I come and haunt you in your dreams if you're not kind to yourself. Just be nice to yourself. Yeah, you know, that will be the, the first step. That's perfect. Thank you. So everybody, just be kind to yourself and to others. I mean, that helps hugely if we can all be kind oh, to It other. will come after. You you always reap what you sow. You, you can only give what you have. If you're not nice to yourself, you will not be nice with others. Mm. So just be nice with yourself. Completely <laughs> agree to that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I had so much fun. Thank you so much, Vanessa. And thank you for the difference you make with your podcast. <laughs>